Final call. The mile mark. Final call. All runners report to the start line. The mile mark starts now. guys welcome to the mile mark i am your host matt doll this is the mile mark podcast episode number nine and yes before you get mad at me i know i missed a show last week the goal was to not miss a week but it happened and uh, i'll get into that shortly why it happened but we're back this week for episode number nine and i'm making it up to you with a very good episode might I say, a great episode. Before we get into all that, let me remind you to follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore doll 13 and be sure to like The Mile Mark on Facebook, facebook.com slash The Mile Mark. This podcast is available on iTunes. Subscribe on iTunes. Give the show a review. Give us a five-star rating. Tell your friends about it. Also available on Stitcher.com, Stitcher.com. Search The Mile Mark. And then we are, of course, powered by SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash The Mile Mark. Okay, so last week, yes, I missed a show. Uh, I didn't have a guest lined up. Sort of fell behind on my own schedule for a variety of reasons. A few things going on at the time. I had an idea. It didn't really work out. I was going to try to talk to some people at the New Jersey Meet of Champs uh, last Wednesday. The stuff I had, it wasn't great. Uh, And realistically, I didn't want to just force out a so-so episode uh, to try to keep a weak streak going here. I figured the best is to just deliver as high quality of content as I can. So that's why I put a pin in episode 9 last week, and now we're bringing it this week. So don't hold it against me for missing a show. Uh, We're back now, and uh, like I said, I'm making it up to you in a good way because this week... We've actually got a pro on. His name, Tyler Andrews. He runs for Hoka 1-1. He's a 216-59 marathon runner. And you know what? He actually holds the world record, forget this, the treadmill half marathon. That's right. This guy ran a half marathon on the treadmill in 63 minutes and 38 seconds, destroying his own record, which was about 67-19 from the year before. And Tyler is a very interesting story. He's in the process of training for the Grandma's Marathon out in Minnesota. That's two Saturdays away from right now. It'll be on June the 20th. He's got the B standard for the Olympic trials. He's hoping he can maybe get the A standard when he runs that Grandma's Marathon. So that's in his long-term goals. But it's really interesting how it's all worked out for Tyler. This is someone who started running late in high school it sort of went from there he had a year off between high school and going to college but he did keep running he kept working with his high school coach john walderin uh, who is now his coach today and then he ended up landing at tufts university being on the team being a very strong runner nothing necessarily earth shattering but a lot of stuff that was very respectable did run 30 22 in the 10k and really tyler just became a runner who wanted to continue to build on his own success that was the passion that drove him he always wanted to race better than he had just raced down the road he found marathons he found half marathons and it wasn't too long after college that he jumped into this odd journey 
to the to a now two sixteen marathon runner, and he tells the entire story for you. I think it's great to hear, and I, I think a lot of people will have appreciation for it. I think you listening will will really be impressed by what he tells you he he did and how fast it all sort of happened for him and how it still happened to him in a lot of big ways. He really had a crazy year after college, and uh, it's it's almost hard to believe, but it all really happened. Uh, so Tyler Andrews, he is the guest uh, on the Mile Mark for this week, episode number nine. Before we get into the episode with Tyler, though, uh, let's give a shout-out here. I'm recording this Thursday night right now. It's a little late. It's after 9 o'clock as I'm doing this. Uh, just about an hour and 20 minutes ago, the NCAA National Championship meet out in Oregon. Emily Ritter of Ryder University. If you've been listening to this podcast, you know Ryder's played a big theme in the show. If you go back to episode number four with Ryder coach Bob Hamer, you heard him talk about how great the things happening on the women's side of the program were. Well, tonight, Emily Ritter, Ryder University in the women's steeplechase. She finished second place in the first heat, running 9.55, qualifying for Saturday's final and that is a huge deal to be in the last 12 standing in your sport, in your event. Emily Ritter, we're all extremely proud of you at Ryder University. I know I'm one proud alumni, uh, so be sure to check her out Saturday. The national championship for the women in the 3,000-meter steeplechase. Emily Ritter doing amazing things this year, and she absolutely deserved to have her season end on Saturday as part of the championship day for the women's side at the NCAA national meet. So a huge deal. Big congrats to Emily. Big congrats to Coach Hamer. Uh, So proud to see that sort of success taking place in the Ryder program, even all these years after I was there. I feel really good for Coach Hamer because I know how much crap you put up with, with, uh, you know, some tough times on the team when I was there. And I'm, it's so great to see him coach Emily and have her get to the championship here. What a big deal it is out in Oregon, you know, the most famous track in the world. It's really amazing, and we'll be watching Saturday night. So make sure to tune in, uh, Ryder University. It was funny, like, listening to the announcers as she slid up into third and second place in the last couple laps of uh, the, the steeplechase tonight. Uh, they're just like, and Ryder, having a really good showing here. It's like, who the, you know, it's like in uh, Happy Gilmore. Who the hell is Happy Gilmore? It was sort of like that feeling. They didn't come out and say, who, where the hell is Ryder? But it's it's funny seeing Ryder sort of stick themselves out with uh, amongst all those big schools. Uh, so uh, congrats to Emily. Congrats to Coach Hamer. Uh, we'll be watching Saturday Night ESPN Women's National Championship NCAA's Hayward Field 3,000-meter steeplechase. So, Ryder Pride right here. Ryder Pride. But, all right, let's get into the episode. Remember to like the page on Facebook. Just search the mile mark on Facebook. Share the show. Tell your friends. Let them know, hey, we missed a week, but we're back. And we are back with a big one. It's Hoka 1-1 marathon runner Tyler Andrews talking about his very interesting journey through the sport and leading him to, oh, so many great results. Here's the episode. Me chatting with Tyler. Looking back through some of the stuff you've been doing, I noticed that you know you're one of what seems to be now many people who kind of started a little late in the game. You didn't really start running until later in high school, right? It's true. Yeah, I didn't start until really my senior year. What made you decide to finally get around to doing it? 
Um, it really wasn't an active decision at all. Um, it, it, you know, it just kind of happened. Um, coincidentally, almost, you know, I, I was not an athletic person at all in high school up to that point. I was really into, you know, arts and music and stuff. And uh, up until that point, I, I had never considered sports something that I was going to take really seriously. I was pretty small. I, you know, I was kind of a late bloomer. So I just had never been naturally athletic or good at sports. And um, my senior year, it, it was just kind of like a perfect storm of things coming together. Like I had a lot of friends graduate the year before. So I kind of had like a big empty space that I was trying to fill. And we had a new coach who, uh, who really connected with me and our team. And, um, honestly, probably the biggest motivator is I had a crush on a girl on the, on the girls cross country team. So I kind of figured like, all right, I'll take, I'll, I'll try and be good at this. Spoken like um, a true high school kid. I know. Right. So that, that was me at 17. That That's great. Motivation. I love that. So that was, that was, uh, that was really what got me started, but no, it was my, it was really, that was, that was the spark that got me started. But then it was the, the connection that I had with my coach at the time, John Waldron, um, who's actually still my coach now as a professional, oh, wow. um, like nine, eight or nine years later, which is pretty cool. That is cool. Um, and he, he still coaches high school too, but, but he, he was a huge inspiration to me and, and he was definitely what, what kind of got me rolling there at the beginning. Okay, so you you get into it, uh, chasing a girl a little bit, and uh, <laughs> yeah. it all leads to you finding a little bit of success. And uh, you know, while nothing major, at least compared to what you're doing now, what are the thoughts going through your mind as you start do this throughout the your senior year? I mean, do you start to think, oh, all right, you know what, I'm not too bad at this. I can kind of keep this going. Yeah, well, that that's the funny thing is is, and again, I give I give my coach John a ton of credit for this is that. I think because I was so naive about the sport that that was a big part of, of what kept me going is, is John was very, very much, uh, um, he would put a ton of emphasis on improving each athlete relative to themselves. So, you know, he was always focused on like, okay, I want everyone to go out and run personal bests. I don't care how fast everyone is. So I, I thought that I was really good in high school as a senior because I was getting a lot better and I was running kind of like at the front of our races in the front of our teams, but we were a tiny school in a tiny league. I, I never broke 18 minutes in high school. Um, so, you know, to someone who knows a lot about high school running, that's not, that's, you know, a good girl's time. Right. You know? <laughs> so for me, I was like, Oh, I'm really good. This is awesome. I love it. It's so fun. <laughs> but now looking back, it's like, wow, I was so naive and I had no idea what I was doing. Um, <laughs> But, but I think that there was a lot of value in that because it, you know, it did really stir up that kind of competitive fire in me. And I said, like, oh, I really like doing this. I like being good at it. And, you know, it, it kind of just went on from there where I kind of fell in love with the process of getting better more than the process of, you know, being really good. Um, so that kind of became my focus for the next however long, you know. It's eight or nine years it has been. Now you're talking about a drive that I think does exist within a lot of runners where, you know, it's not necessarily always about winning the race you're in or, or being the state champion, the national champion. A lot of times it's you against yourself. And mm -hmm. it's it's interesting that you found that drive really, you know, in your very your first introduction to this sport. Uh Yeah. Now Yeah, I, I think I've I, I found that I, I think I had that in everything that I did. I think that was kind of one of the things that looking back on myself as, as a teenager I, I see is 
you know, whether it was music or, or running, I, I was always really, really passionate about like putting my all into something and like really digging my teeth in and, and getting every last, last drop out of it. So I, I think that that translated really well into running and, and it's just, you know, it's taken a long time and I'm still, still in that process, but so far it's, it's been a, a really awesome journey. Yeah. It seems like it's been pretty rewarding for you. Um, so this first year being pretty green to the sport, any intimidation by, you know, the style of training, the length of the races, was there any sort of intimidation you had to take on? Um, that's a good question. Um, I don't think I was ever intimidated. I think I was just like really, really curious and interested. And, you know, like you said, I was so, I was so new to this sport. I was so green and I just didn't know anything. And, and you know, John just really kind of took me under his wing and I just asked him so many questions and he had so many answers and, and, you know, it, it was kind of just a, a learning process for me. And, you know, I, I kept feeling like, okay, I'm like finally getting to the point where I understand the sport. And that was like having run for like a couple of months or something. <laughs> and now looking back, it's like, you know, it's been a process of years and years and I still feel like I have so much to learn. You're always learning. Yeah, that's right. And now, okay. So you go, you do it one year, you have a great relationship with your coach. Uh, when does the thought that, okay, I have to keep doing this cross your mind. When are, when are you saying to yourself? Yeah, obviously I'm going to run in college. Uh, oh, I mean, I, as soon as I started, as soon as I started that season, really, I think yeah. I, I, I felt like that. Um, I didn't really, again, I was, I, I was so new that I didn't really understand what it meant to keep running, like, you know, competing in college or, um, you know, competing after that, or, you know, the Olympic trials or marathoning or anything. I had, I had no idea of that. I just said like, okay, I'd like, I really like this. This is like a part of me now and I want to keep doing it. Um, so for me, it wasn't so much like, okay, like I need to go run at a division one school. I don't even think that I knew that there were divisions or anything at that point. It was just like, right. okay, I know that I really want to keep doing this. And that's, that's what I wanted to focus on. Uh, I, I got to ask this, any luck with the girl? You're a senior year of high so, school? <laughs> yeah. So we, it's funny. We actually, we ended up dating my senior year. Um, so that, yeah, so that part worked out well too. I mean, I, it didn't last very long, but it but, did. Uh, hey, you, you got you got <laughs> what you initially went into it for, you know. You yeah, you had to feel so good. The running the running <laughs> stuck around, but the girl didn't. <laughs> but that's okay, you know. That's like your first stepping stone right there, and you, you were able to cross it off the list, and you kept it going. Uh, I just had I just, yeah. I just had to find out. It was I, I had to, no, I was like, oh man, I got to know. Question. <laughs> uh, now, where'd you where'd you end up going to school? Um, so I actually, I also had kind of a weird path going to college. Um, so I ended up taking a year off after high school. Um, and during that year, I, I spent a bunch of time living in Quito, Ecuador. Um, okay. I was, I was working as a volunteer in a children's hospital there. And I also, um, I kept running there and, you know, that was, that was a big part of what I wanted to do. Um, and then I ended up just kind of coming home and working. Uh, and then I ended up going to a small school called Skidmore College in that fall uh, after that year, um, which actually doesn't have any athletic program at all. Well, any, sorry, any running cross country or track program at all. Um, so that was kind of a, 
a blessing in disguise, I think, actually, because what it meant is that I basically kept working with John for those two years, basically one on one, right? Um, kind of long distance. So that that ended up being really important for me, um, and I think for him as well, because we we established a really strong relationship over those couple of years, and you know, I learned a ton about training and myself and what works for me and what doesn't, and um, you know, I, I got a lot better over those two years. I think I probably went from 18 minutes to about 15:30 in the 5K. So by the time, uh, yeah, by the time I was done with my freshman year, I was at that point. I kind of understood a little bit more about like, okay, I have a better sense of the sport, and this is you know where I fit in. Um, so I ended up transferring at the end of my freshman year and going to Tufts University, which is uh, just outside of Boston. Uh, it's a Division three school, pretty strong Division three cross-country and track program. Um, and at that point, I think that, you know, that made a lot of sense for me. It was a good, good fit uh, academically. I wanted to be an engineer, and they had a good engineering school. And, you know, the, the program was, was very, uh, you know, it was, it was a good match for kind of my ability at that point. Um, yeah, you know it's interesting, you know, having that sort of separation between uh, high school and being on a collegiate team, where you were still running and still working with your high school coach, and you know maybe in a way that almost helped you uh, learn more beneficial things that maybe are paying off to you now instead of being thrust into a program where it's something different, it's something new. While you're still very new to the sport, maybe you learn not so good things. You know, do you think that? being able to continue to work with your first coach really helped benefit you long-term? Yeah, I, I definitely think so. I mean, one of the things that I, I think it would have been really hard for me to go right into a college team after my freshman or after my senior year of high school, um, just because it would have been really demoralizing to think that I was really good. And then, you know, even going into a division three school, I would have been, I wouldn't have even made the team. Um, <laughs> so it, just, just giving me a year or two to, to, to kind of, to improve to the point that I could, I could appreciate that more, I think was really valuable. Um, one of the other things I think was, was really important was, you know, I just hadn't run much at that point. Right. Um, you know, I was probably running 30 miles a week in high school or something. And all the college coaches, most, you know, they're looking for people to, be able to handle a workload. It's a lot different. Yeah. <laughs> it is a lot different. Um, so that really, those two years, I, I found very quickly that I, I really enjoyed training a lot and, and running a lot of volume. Um, but it took a couple of years before, you know, I was able to run, you know, 60, 70, I think probably 80 miles a week by freshman year of, of college or so. Um, so it, that kind of gave me the chance to mature a little bit as an athlete so that by the time I, I started running in the NCAA, I, I was I felt like I was I kind of deserved to be there a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah, you kind of built yourself up into a you know the runner that you expect is running at that level, even in even if it is Division Three, which is really no slouch if you look around. Um, right. Yeah. And now, now running there, uh, what are some of the standouts for you personally? You know, what is what are some of the things you went through being a part of Tufts, the Tufts University team, and and competing at that level? Yeah, uh, I mean, it was it was a great experience. I, I, I it was a it, it was tough and and for those couple of years because before that because you know I, I was almost entirely on my own um, whether it was you know when I was in Ecuador or you know at Skidmore I was I was really pretty much training entirely by myself so that was one of the things that I was really looking forward to is 
you know, having that sense of camaraderie and like everyone around you and working towards a common goal, like there's all this youth and energy and everyone's so excited. And, you know, that part of, of being on a college team is just so awesome. And, you know, you really never get that anywhere else in right. your whole life. And unless you happen to be in, you know, some pro group or something that's, right. that's just like that. Um, but it's, so that's, that's really special. I mean, those guys are, you know, they were my best friends. They were the people that you eat meals with and the people that you hang out with on weekends. Yeah, it, beca- it becomes so, your family. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's basically your family for three or four years. Um, so that, that was awesome. I mean, I, I love that. And, and, you know, just being able to, to have, you know, 20 guys to do a run with or do a yeah. workout with and push you and stuff. Like it's just, you don't get anything like that. Um, so that part was, was really awesome. Um, and, and I think that, you know, like I said, it was, it was a really good context for me to be in at the time, just because it was, it, it, I came in not being good enough that I was, you know, able to compete at the top, but by the, by my senior year, I was, you know, I was making nationals and I was, I was trying to be really good. So I think that if I'd been a division one runner, you know, it kind of would have been a little bit more, uh, it would have been a little bit more demoralizing. It might not have been as good motivation. You know, it's, it's fun to go to nationals and stuff, even if it is division three, like yeah. it's, yeah, it's, it's nice to, to it's, be able to compete it's at, something at the to celebrate. whatever level you're in. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's yeah. something to celebrate. Yeah. It's a, it's a nice, it's a, it's a nice reward for what you know, the, the amount of work you're putting in. I mean, you know, it's, yeah, you have, you have those teammates around and they're the ones that help you through a lot of those Sunday long runs that you don't want to be on, but knowing you did all that work, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's nice to be able to go to nationals, which is a cool thing. And, so now going into your senior year was were you thinking, all right, this is I think now I can start thinking about nationals or did that sort of come as your senior year went on? Yeah, so I, I had a big breakthrough my junior year, um, my junior year's track season. Um, I went from I think about thirty one forty as a sophomore in the ten K to thirty twenty two as a as a junior. Um, That's a nice drop. and that that was yeah, so that was the first time that I qualified for nationals and track, um, that, that junior year. Um, so that, that kind of like brought me into my senior year being like, okay, like now I can really compete to be, to be really, really good. And at, at this level, at the D three level, like, okay, I'm the, I was like the number two returner in that field okay. from the 10 K like going to my senior. So like, okay, now I can be like really good. Um, and honestly, like my senior year was a little disappointing. Um, I had some some injury problems, you know, just you know, college stuff. I was overworked. I was probably a little overtrained. Um, you know, just as a senior in college, I had a lot going on and yeah. didn't have a great great cross country season. I didn't end up qualifying in the 10K in the spring, um, but you know, I I still it was still a good season. I still learned a lot. Um, and then I ended up kind of, I was, it was funny cause I was really disappointed that I didn't qualify for nationals. And then in the spring of my senior year, and then I ended up hopping into a, a half marathon and running one Oh seven, which at the time was really, really good for me. That was like a big personal best. That's pretty nice stuff. coming so, out of college. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I was like, well, man, that's, that was good. Like what, where was that on the thinking, you know? Um, and, yeah, and I guess that's kind of a good segue because I had always, um, I had always thought that I was going to be better at, at longer distances. You know, I yeah. never, 
I even the 10k, I was like, yeah, I, I can be pretty good at this, but I just I don't have the speed. No, to close you, you to never be really you good never had your comfort yeah. in there. Or it, it sounds like you never right. you never yeah, had that I flow. Always, yeah, I always, you know, when we would do tempo runs and long runs, like I was, I that was where I felt the most comfortable. You know, I'd never felt as good in, in really fast track workouts. So I just, I always knew that, like, okay, I'm going to end up on the roads. I'm going to run the half and I'm going to run the marathon. And that's where I'm going to be the strongest, you know. And I don't think I knew quite, like, where that was going to go, like, what level I could take that to. But, you know, I had I had a lot of faith that, that I could be pretty good. Now, it's interesting that you um, sort of put that at – what what can do some college kids especially seem like a bit of a daunting task? I mean, it's no joke to train for those sort of races and to mm-hmm. live that sort of lifestyle and follow that schedule. I mean, that's a big order to sort of put for you towards yourself uh, just mm-hmm. as you're finishing college when realistically in the real world you're still pretty young. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I – like I said, I, I, I realized very early that I really enjoyed training – at a, at a high volume mm-hmm. and high mileage. And I, I always, that was always the kind of train that I liked. So even in college, I was running 120, 130, 140 miles a week. Um, and I knew that, you know, in the long, like I knew that even then I was really training for the marathon, even in college is that I was, I was, I was training in the short term for the 10 K, right. but I was doing that much mileage because I knew that to run a good marathon, I had to be able to run 140 miles a week and wow. not get hurt. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of, you know, like we're always thinking about progression and, you know, this is a, a stepping stone to that. And so college, you know, a lot of people kind of see college as like the be all and end all of running. Yeah. I think I kind of saw it as like a piece of my journey. So for me, it was, it was always, you know, okay, we're going to go to college and going to build up mileage. We're going to get faster, but you know, there's life, after college, I'm going to keep running after college. I know that. And if I want to be running fast marathons, I know that I have to be able to run a lot of volume and, and stay healthy. So that's what I want to do is I want to keep ramping it up slowly and slowly. So it seems like this was a goal that you always put right in front of yourself. And I mean, going back to your senior year in high school where it's just, how can I improve myself? How can I improve myself? And you, you mm-hmm. really carried that passion through. So explain the process to me now. You're, you're eyeing up fast marathons, fast half marathons. I mean, do you think right out of the gate, you know, I can do this professionally? Or, you know, how did this process go for you to get to the point, you know, where we see you now? Yeah, it's it was kind of a leap of faith, honestly. I I don't really know why I thought, I could be a lot better than I was because really the kind of the paradigm says that, you know, guys who are going to run really fast marathons down the road are going to run really fast 10 Ks and five Ks and miles, you know, before like in college or something. Right. And I, I'd run an okay 10 K like I ran 30, 22 in college. It's not bad, but it's not good. It's not good enough that it would merit thinking, okay, I can become a professional marathoner based on this, right. you know? So it, so I was kind of in this point where it's like, well, I feel like I have more faith in myself than someone outside looking in would have on me. So, so yeah, so I kind of just like took a leap of faith and a gamble. And I, you know, I felt like that half marathon right at the end of my senior year kind of, you know, put me on the map a little bit. And so I said, okay, I'm going to just 
I'm going to give this whatever six months or a year and I'm going to train really hard and I'm going to see what happens. Um, I knew that I didn't want to jump right into a marathon. I wanted to, to run faster in the half first, um, and get, you know, excuse me, to get, uh, you know, a, a, a season or so under my belt of kind of that higher mileage training and, you know, more focus on strength and tempo and stuff. I think, and that's one of the things that I really struggled with in college is my team, we did a lot of very fast running on the track. Yeah. And that's something that I think was actually detrimental to me in the it, long it run. It can beat you down. Yeah. I think that my physiology in particular um, was was really, I was, I was, it was doing more damage to me than good, I think, in the long term, just because my, you know, fiber composition or whatever you want to say didn't respond well to that type of training. So I found pretty quickly when I graduated and I started training again with John um, that, you know, when I was doing a lot of really long tempo work and a lot of volume that I just, I started seeing really, really good results. Um, so yeah, I guess backing up. So sorry, I'm talking around in circles. No, now. it's okay, man. <laughs> so here's what happened after college. So I graduated and I, I had started working for Strive as, a, as an administrator year-round, which we could talk about later. Mm -hmm. But it was an awesome job because it basically allowed me to do my job from anywhere with the computer and an internet connection. And I also had really flexible hours so I could set my own schedule. So I said, okay, I'm going to take six months or a year and try and do Strive and train really, really hard and see what happens. And I'm going to run you know, the half marathon and then maybe a marathon next year or something. And so what I did is I ended up moving to Quito, Ecuador, back back to Quito, Ecuador. Okay. Because I I'd lived there back on my on my year between high school and college. And I basically got a part-time job working in a hostel there um, because I got a free place to stay um, and free internet. And so I was just there. I was doing strive stuff part-time. I was working in the hostel part-time. And then I was just like training my butt off. Um, and this is up at 9,300 feet above sea level too. So it's, Whew. it's way up there. That's big yeah. time. <laughs> it was big time. And, and so it was a huge gamble. Cause again, like an outsider looking in, this is a guy who didn't break 30 minutes in college. Right. Um, you know, I, I had my PR for 5k was 1445 at the time. So the, someone looking in would say, this is crazy. Why are you doing this? Um, <laughs> And to me, it was like, well, why not? I have this opportunity, and I can go down here and live really, really cheap. So yeah. why don't I just go for it? I mean, realistically, that's so the I time did... in your life to do it, too, man. You're, yeah, you're exactly. young. It's you're like, fresh like... out of college. What's the worst that's <laughs> yeah. going to happen? I'm 23 years old. What else, what yeah. else am I going to do, right? So I go down there, and I'm running like 150 miles a week at altitude or whatever, and just like man, really getting really fit. And I just have – I just – I start feeling really good, and – um, I'm racing like every weekend to try and make some money and, you know, trying to like get used to running on the roads and stuff. And what, what kind of, just, well. just curious, what kind of yeah. races are out, are out there? So it's actually really cool. There's, there's like this kind of running boom. Like, I don't know if it's a resurgence or if it's a first boom that's going on down there. Cause I remember when I, when I was first there back in, in 2008, 
I was like the only runner in the entire city of like five million people, or at least yeah. it felt like that. That's what I would but imagine. No, I I I was really surprised too. So when I went down there, and it's like, oh man, this is like the same park I used to train in seven years ago, but now there's like tons of people out here running every huh. day, and there's like three road races every weekend. It's crazy. Interesting. Um, so yeah, and and like there's a pretty decent kind of like semi-pro circuit that has. You know, for certainly for Ecuadorian standard, had a, had a good amount of prize money, yeah. so I was like trying to compete in that. And, wow! Um, I never, yeah, so I was, never would have guessed. I never would have guessed. I, I figured yeah, you'd be I out know. there all by yourself in Ecuador. <laughs> yeah. No, I I literally raced every weekend for that's like twelve awesome. weeks that fall. Wow, that's um, really cool. Yeah. So it was it was really fun, and then you know it ended up at the kind of at the end of the season, I like tapered a little bit and focused for a couple of races and. I just I ran super well. I ran 102 for 20k, which is like a 105.30 half marathon, yeah. and wow, uh, 29.48 for road 10k. Um, so it was it was just a really really good way to end that season, and and kind of gave me like okay, this is this is working. This yeah. is what I should be doing. Um, and so so yeah. So then I went back in the spring and. I, I uh, decided, okay, we're going to train for a marathon. And I'm, I grew up in Boston, so I knew a lot of people there. And I he basically just emailed the race director, and or not the race director, but like the elite athlete coordinator at the Boston Marathon and kind of begged my way into the race. <laughs> I said, look, I've run. Nothing wrong with that. I've run this 20K, and I've never run a marathon before, but please let me in. I'm from Boston. <laughs> it would mean so much. And so, yes, yeah, so somehow they let me in, and – and that was the plan. I went back and ran Boston next spring and ran two twenty one. And now what? Um, now what? What year is this? You run Boston? This was last year. This was two thousand fourteen. Okay. Yeah. So two twenty one. So, so this is your first your first marathon. So that was my first marathon. Wow. This two twenty one at Boston. Um, and then that was kind of a crazy. Oh, there's. Uh, yeah, it was a really crazy year actually. So we. I wanted. I. I thought I was. Our, our goal, our whole goal with that buildup was to run around 220. Um, and we, we had like a pretty nice, you know, 12, 16 week buildup. And let me think, it would have been maybe 10 weeks out. I was coming into really good shape and I got hit by a speeding taxi crossing the street uh. right in front of my apartment. And I missed probably two or three weeks of training there. Wow. It was, so that was just like, I'm oh, surprised you're able to bounce back from that. That's, that yeah, seems pretty I mean, vicious. I was, I was really lucky, honestly, Ugh. that, that it wasn't, that, that, I, that was all that happened. You yeah. Know, in, re, in retrospect, you know, my coach has says like, Oh yeah. Like Tyler emailed me and he said like, I'm really worried about like when I can get back to running. <laughs> and I was like, I'm really glad that you're not dead. Yeah. You're alive. All right. So, it's, so, I think that's just the way like the distance runner's mind works because yeah, exactly. you put your training together, especially once you're hitting the point of marathons and you're just zoning on one race and yeah. realistically you have to run every day. I mean, there's really not much room for time off. And then yeah. when something so quick that happens in a second like that, it's hard for your mind to not go to, okay, when can I go on my next run? Even if yep. you are hanging on by a thread. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. And it was like that for like almost a month. It Man. was, it was so brutal. 
especially because I knew I'd been in, I was like in such good shape before that. And then I was like, Oh no, I'm like losing it yeah, every day. That's, you know? uh, that's but, rough. but yeah, I mean, it, and it, so it ended up going pretty well. And then we, again, kind of like defying all odds and reasonable expectations. Uh, I ended up running my second marathon five weeks after that, um, at the Vermont city marathon in Burlington. Um, kind of just on a whim because I finished Boston and, you know, I kind of felt like the buildup had been curtailed a little bit and I, I, you know, I still had some left. I I didn't feel like totally destroyed a week afterwards. And so we said, yeah, let's just go, let's go up there and see what happens. And I ended up winning the race and running a minute faster than I ran at Boston. So (laughs) it was kind of a, it's kind of a wild first season there. So, so two, two marathons within a a five week stretch. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that was that was my introduction to right. racing marathons. Uh, talk about talk about just going head first right in there, man. Some people yeah, like I... to really <laughs> ease their way into the marathons. You just took it all on. You run the maybe the most famous marathon, then another one five weeks later. <laughs> yeah, so it was pretty crazy. But it, it, I mean, it ended up again. It was kind of like similar to to going to Quito, and like it was a huge risk, and it kind of ended up paying off because yeah. I think that was what attracted or I guess it was the culmination of that whole season, but that was what attracted Hoka one one um, to get in touch with me. And that was kind of when we made things official was after that spring season um, when I started thinking about a fall race and, and going after the Olympic trials time. Now they, now they were the ones that got in touch with you or did you have connections beforehand? Yeah. So they, it was just kind of like one of these like long friend of a friend of a friend connections is, um, basically someone from my college cross country team had a relative or something who worked at Hoka one, one in the marketing department. Um, and so Hoka one, one started hearing about me through this kid. And then eventually they, um, Jim Van Dyne, actually, who's the president of the company reached out to me and, you know, he talked to me a lot and, sent me a bunch of shoes and I loved them immediately, which is kind of weird because I looked at them and I was like, these are so like, weird what, looking. What is this? What, what is this what brick is this? I'm looking at? Yeah, exactly. And I was always someone who like kind of liked like a light shoe. And I was like, that doesn't look like a light shoe, but it actually is a light shoe. So I, I just, yeah, I was, I was pretty much sold immediately. Um, and you know, obviously it was, it was really exciting to have the support of a big company like that and kind of working towards becoming a, professional and that's that's what i'd always wanted so this is this really sounds like a a bit of a whirlwind year for you uh after college man you're you're out in ecuador uh, you're you're hopping in marathons and now you're running for hoka one one now you're a sponsored athlete i mean how how does your mind like even process all that going on (laughs) it doesn't i just i think about it one day at a time i mean i went yeah literally in less than a year i went from you know, never having run a marathon and having a 30-20 PR and, you know, having basically no income and eating like canned tuna <laughs> to like and living in Quito. Despite oh <laughs> any road race, you can win. A, yeah, to having a, you know, I, I won my second marathon and I, I got a shoe contract and, you know, things are looking pretty yeah. bright. <laughs> It's it's a it's funny how the world works, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, but it's true. It was a crazy year. It was a whirlwind of a year, but it 
That's a good one. Yeah, so and you had some good things happen. So okay, you get so you get the deal with Hoka one one, and now now where does your <laughs> mind go? You got two big marathons done. You see that Olympic trials time is right in sight. Uh, what's your thought process yeah. like? Yeah, I mean that was just that was that was kind of like the obvious next goal. I feel like is you know we started, you know we had kind of talked about it originally like before before we had started talking about Boston Marathon. We, we assumed that that wasn't going to be a possibility. So we're like, oh, well, we'll do Chicago or something and go after 218. Um, but once Boston came, it was like, well, we'll run Boston, but we'll focus a lot less on the time. We'll just try and go and, and run a strong debut because, you know, Boston is Boston. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so the spring, that first that first buildup was really all about just having a solid debut, running good race, you know, not focusing on time. Like some guys just like, oh, I have to run this time or else it's going to be bad you know right um so it was the 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 fall was very much about like okay this time we're gonna go we're gonna try and run fast we're gonna find a fast course we're gonna try and run a fast half we're gonna try and run a fast full and and we're gonna try and hit the hit the qualifying standards and and uh yeah and then i ended up i ran 105 at uh, the hartford half marathon so just over the standard um but it was still that was a good race for me, and and then uh, I think it was probably seven or eight weeks later at CIM I ran two sixteen fifty nine, and that was obviously a, Man. a really really good one. Yeah, so. that's a de- two sixteen fifty nine. That's quite a drop off there. Yeah. So that was. Um, well, what was the? What was the? Were you thinking? Yeah, I could run two sixteen, or were you? Were, did yeah. you surprise yourself a yeah. little bit? No, I didn't surprise myself. I it's it's actually funny because I. I remember having a conversation with my coach maybe like right before I left for California or something, just saying like, you know, it's frustrating because like just I know myself, I know my body. And right now, like I know I can run, I I know I can run 216. And if I don't do it like on Sunday this weekend, it just means I'm going to have to try again next year because like I already know I can do it. Yeah. Like I've done the workouts. I, I know my body. I can, I know I can do it. It's like if I wake up and have the flu or like a stomach virus, right? Like all those little things. Eighty-five Ugh. degrees. Yeah. Like I'm not gonna do it, but I still know that I can do it. So then I'm gonna have to go try again. Yeah, but find another one in five weeks to go out and do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So all right, so two sixteen fifty nine, and now you do that. Well, where where's your head at? Are you just okay? Now what's next? Yeah, I mean, part of me is like you know, I'm just kind of on cloud nine and, and you know, that, that, that had been a big goal for us was just to qualify for the trials and before 2016. And really like, if you had asked me right after I graduated from college, like, oh, are you like, are you going to do that? I would say, yeah, I might be able to do that, but I'll probably do it like this year. Like I'd probably do it like right now or even this fall. Right. Like, if that's how long it's going to take me to do that. So in that sense, I was like ahead of schedule. So now I have like, oh my gosh, I have all of 2015. It's like, <laughs> it's like extra time. It's like finding $20 in your pocket, you know? Right. What do I do so, now? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so I, I was like, okay, this is like, this is awesome. Like this means like this whole year, like I have no, I have no expectations. Like right. I have no, it took so much pressure off because that had been such a big goal. You know, it's, it's like, it's, it's crazy in the U S because we have these like arbitrary standards that, everyone has to hit yeah and, 
like obviously like a 217 marathoner isn't actually that concerned with making the Olympic team, but it's like, this is like what we've set as, you know, American marathoners for like, okay, this is how we basically define like, you know, being really good right. at the marathon. That's the it's bar. Like, that's the, the bar. Right. That's Go the bar it. that they set. Yep. Right. And, and so that's like this number that everyone focuses on. And so like there's, if you run like in the low two twenties, like you have to start thinking about running under two. Yeah. It's, it's like, it as really, soon as you do that, people really are like, mess oh, so with are, your you, mind. Are, you trying, are you trying to run the trials now? Are you trying to hit the trials? Are you trying to do It's like, gosh, it's like everyone wants to go out and, and run under 218. And so there's so much pressure to do that. And I had put a lot of pressure on myself to do that. And it's funny because, because my, my girlfriend had asked me at one point, like, well, like, if you run under 218, like, do you think you can, like, make the Olympics? And I'm like, well, no. So, like, why does it matter then? Like, well, that's a good question. <laughs> yeah. Actually. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> it's like, yeah, but it's like that's, that's like, how we define in the U.S. Like, yeah. hey, that's the bar. You're right. It's the bar. Like, that's, that's so now, how you measure your success. Like, that, that's, right, the, exactly. that's the line in the sand, and that's what we're chasing. Yeah. So, yeah, so now I've, I've hit that bar or cleared that bar whatever metaphor you want to use and it's just a matter of you know what else can i do this year you know like always since i was 17 years old the focus is just like okay let's get a little bit faster and so that's what we've been doing this year and at least so far um and again now i have that feeling where i say you know oh man like i know i'm in shape to run really fast, to run faster yeah. than I ever have before. Like I know I'm in the best shape of my life right now. And if I don't do it next Saturday, then I'm going to have to keep <laughs> trying, you know? Yeah. Like I've always kind of said like, that's, that's kind of what I want to get from the sport is, uh, I want to find what my limits are. I you know, I want to find kind of my maximum potential. And I still haven't found it, you know, every year I keep thinking like, okay, I'm going to hit a ceiling and I still haven't gotten there yet. And yeah. so, you know, even the spring now it's like, okay, I'm doing workouts that I've never been able to have done before. I did 20 miles at 213 pace, you know, like I couldn't do that six months ago. Yeah. Right. You, you're really constantly improving your peak. I mean, you just keep changing the dynamic of, of where you stand and it all, and still mm -hmm. a relatively short amount of time. And, you know, you look from Boston now, what's that, 14 months ago, 221 mm -hmm. to 216.59, like you said, hopefully faster in a couple mm -hmm. Saturdays from now. Uh, it's, it is all so many different moving elements. So now, yeah. before we get to uh, your upcoming marathon, sure. uh, let's talk about this past year now, because like you said, you do, you know, you had that thought of, okay, now what do I do this year? Because that the, the time's been hit. I, I reached that standard that I was on in on. So 2015, I know you, you had already had this, but you you have what I find a very interesting record, and that is the half marathon treadmill record. Oh, uh, yeah. And what now, well, first off, I hate running on a treadmill, so power <laughs> power to you, my man. <laughs> no worries. But what, uh, what made you, because I know you, you set the record and then you broke your own record just this yep. past April at, at the Boston Marathon Expo. Yeah, uh, that's right. What made you first think that this was something you wanted to go for? Because that's, I mean, that's not your normal thing to chase. No, it is not a normal thing to chase at all. I totally give you that. Um, so to back up to 2013, um, or sorry, no, 2014. Um, 
So 2014 was my build-up to the Boston Marathon. Right. And I had planned to do this uh, this event as a fundraiser for Strive and okay. some of the projects that we were doing. Um, so I was going to go um, to the Marathon Sports, uh, which is like a big um, uh, run, like local running store in, in greater Boston. I was going to go to Marathon Sports. I was going to break the world record for the treadmill half marathon. Um, and we were going to have it be this big fundraiser for Strive, and it was going to be a big public event. And at the time, the record was like 67.30 or something, um, which was very soft, obviously. Yeah. And even for me, should not have been very difficult and during my buildup because, you know, I was, I'd run 105 well, a year before, basically. Right. Um, so this ended up, the, the record attempt had been scheduled for like a month or, or a couple months because we had to have like media and all this stuff. Um, anyways, fast forward, like four weeks before that is when I got hit by the car that I was telling you about. Ugh. So, so now suddenly what's supposed to be like kind of an easy-ish long tempo run <laughs> is like, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to uh, run that, 13 miles. That is an extra stress in it. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it's like this huge public event now. Yeah. And like, you know, we have like cameras and like live streaming and like oh boy. everyone who, <laughs> and the other thing is nobody knows that I've been injured except for my coach and my parents and my girlfriend. Right. No one else knows. I've been keeping on, on <laughs> totally quiet because I don't want to have like this excuse hanging over me and like all these other people have put work into this event. Right. So I don't want to say like, Oh, now I can't do it. You right. Know, you, like don't, you don't want to spend four weeks of people coming to you. Oh, are you going to still right. be able to do it? You don't want to deal with exactly. that. Exactly. Got it. So I basically, I think I'd have two weeks of running to train for this event. Okay. Um, so I maybe do one or two workouts and I just barely sneak under. I run like 67, 20, 19. I can't remember. I, I run like just under it and it's like the hardest thing I've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I'm like, Oh my God, I never ever want to do that again. Uh, well, <laughs> and then it's just the idea of it then, sounds dreadful. <laughs> yeah. So then, then this spring I was approached by the manufacturer who was the, they, they had helped sponsor the previous one and they had approached me about coming to the Boston Marathon Expo because they they had had a woman come and, and set some world record on the treadmill the year before and they wanted me to come and break my own record or break a record um, this year at the Expo because it always like draws a big crowd and everything. So I said, I was like looking at my calendar. I was like, oh, you know, what? I got like kind of a long tempo run that weekend. Like, okay, I'll go, I'll, I'll do it. It'll be kind of redemptive or something and yeah. like you know maybe i can i can give it a real run for its money um and yeah and so that one ended up going a lot better i ran <laughs> 6338 oh man um Whew. which which was was really that was that's yeah, it that was that's it that was, uh, half that was the race that i had wanted to have um you know the the whatever the year before right and so to me, it was, it was really great. And, and, and it, honestly, like I'm from Boston. So to do it at the Boston Marathon Expo, all my friends and family there, my coach was there. Yeah. Um, and to be able to, to run like in front of them, you know, yeah, running on the treadmill can be kind of miserable, but one of the cool <laughs> things about running a race on a treadmill is that 
like you, you don't usually get to watch a whole race or watch someone run for a whole race. True, that's so true. I think it's actually I think it's actually kind of cool to be able to like see the stages of like okay this person looks really good and comfortable for a few miles and then like okay it's starting to get real and then like okay now they're really struggling and, now what when you're but, doing that like what's what's the approach is it let's just negative split the whole way i mean wh- like how do you because i you know like i said i hate running on the treadmill when i do like mm-hmm. a 10 mile run on the treadmill i pretty much want to blow my brains out yeah, like, how, sure. what's your what's your thought process in 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 terms of splits to get to that time? Um, yeah, we really didn't know. It was it, I didn't really know how it was going to go. Um, honestly, the, the the thing we were most worried about was how hot it was. It was really warm and stuffy in there, um, so we were a little bit concerned about overheating and stuff. Um, and my coach and I are, are huge negative split components in races and workouts in general. So that's like my strategy with everything is, is to kind of start off really conservative and then, you know, try and accelerate. And so that's basically what we did. You know, we just, the first three miles, I just felt like I was jogging and then just kind of ratcheted it down gradually. It was never like a huge acceleration. It was just, you know, kind of a constant progression and I ended up feeling really, really good and, and running a big yeah and i did end up running a big negative split that's cool yeah i actually i checked out the video you did it on the sunday before the marathon right yeah it was the day before yeah so you had you did have some good crowds it seemed you know it seemed like it was a pretty cool fun thing to do and uh you know it it seemed all for all for good reasons and nice little nice way to get a fast time in too as you're training for your upcoming marathon yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's always nice to have a good a good half marathon in it as like a in part of your build up for a marathon. Um, so that was really fun. And and yeah, first and foremost, like it was a both of these events were really big fundraisers. First drive, we raised like over ten thousand um, dollars for the work that we do in Peru. So that was that part was really awesome. Yeah. Okay. So now let's uh, let's shift uh, focus to your upcoming marathon. You're running uh, Grandma's Marathon in a couple Saturdays from now. Uh, so you're in your mm-hmm. tape. You're in your taper phase, which I'm sure uh, for a guy running 150 miles a week must be a good uh, sigh of relief a little bit once you get to the taper <laughs> phase. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a little bit of sigh of relief, and then it's a little bit of like, oh my gosh, I have so much energy and like yeah. pent up energy. I don't even know what to do with myself. <laughs> yeah, you, you go a little, you go a little crazy. Um, so yeah, what's a little, a little stir crazy? What's the what's the training been like for this marathon in comparison to the other ones you've run? Have you been trying new things have you been running more i mean like what's the mileage what's the typical mileage mm-hmm. been like in your peak weeks of training um at this point so so like i said we we really focus on like a long-term progression and like every season and every year we try to do a little bit more mm-hmm. um at this point i'm not really adding much mileage we've basically maxed out what we think is is uh you know to the point of of diminishing returns in terms of mileage so I think my my highest week this spring was probably 160, oh, um, oh. but probably average was more like 145 to 155 for a while there. Um, still pretty good. <laughs> yeah, still it's 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 a lot. It's definitely a lot, but it's not it's not significantly more than I, I did last fall, for okay. example. Um, so that's not um, that's not that different, um, and that's not something that we're planning to really change in the future. Um, I think the, the the what's different this this season honestly not much we um, the structure was pretty similar to previous buildups um, we do a lot of 
especially in the last kind of 10 weeks of the season, we focus a lot on running at marathon pace or goal, goal marathon pace. Um, so that's in terms of that, the workouts were very, very similar in structure to, to my previous two buildups. Um, they're just a little bit faster because we're trying to run a little bit faster. Um, so, you know, the workouts in kind of that last specific phase would be things like, uh, like very long reps at marathon pace. So things like, like I did six times 5k at marathon pace, um, with one kilometer between, um, or kind of longer steady runs like 25, 30 K I did 20 miles at marathon pace, uh, this buildup, which I, I hadn't done before. So that was really exciting. Um, now what's and, the, what's the longest run you do, uh, during a week? Like what's, what's the highest you go? Um, that's a good question. It depends. Um, so during the specific phase, the longest runs will usually be like those long rep workouts because mm-hmm. uh, um, between the reps and the rest, it'll end up being like the six times 5K workout is 30K plus another 6K of rest is 36K plus warm up and cool down. It'll, you know, it'll be 40K, 42K um, by the end of the day. Um, so I'll, I'll do, you, you know, between between 20 and 26 miles um, during that part in the in the earlier season I'll actually run a little bit longer um, but not quite as fast um, so I, I did up to 50k which is just over 30 miles um, man good for you back man. In, good for you yeah that's 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 pretty impressive you know like I I uh... I was doing like 85 miles a week when I was training for Boston this last April and like Mm. just the thought of doubling that it's like holy god like so (laughs) I I give you a ton of credit man it's 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 a lot the 85 miles is a lot yeah and you're and when I know somebody out there is doubling that I'm like how in the hell is that happening so a ton of credit for you man that's you're, you're sticking to a hell of a schedule and a hell of a routine but uh you know, it all goes back to where we start with this, and it, it is you chasing your passions, and it is you looking to constantly better yourself. Um, mm-hmm. So now, let me ask you about Grandma's Marathon. What what is the mm-hmm. goal? What's what's the game plan? What do you want to do? Yeah, I mean, the goal is is definitely to run faster, uh, run a run a personal best. Um, again, when you run a, ra- a race in late June, you you taking a little bit of a crapshoot there. Um, so kind of everything I say is with a caveat that, you know, if the weather is really awful, yeah. all, all the time, time stuff kind of goes out the window. Um, if the weather isn't a factor, I think I'm, I'm, I'm in shape to run under 215, which is really exciting. So that's, that's the USA standard for the Olympic trials. Um, so that's kind of the next bar logically. Right. Um, so that's kind of what we've been thinking about this whole this whole year is like okay that's you know that's kind of like the next tangible goal is to run under 215 so that's that's kind of what we're looking at um and based on this block and you know like i said last time you know i know my body really well i know what the workouts i can do mean and and so right now i think that yeah with a good day and good conditions i can i can do that um so that'll be the first goal i think is is you know to go out and feel good and if that if it comes together, then it comes together. At the same time, you know, like I said, this whole year has kind of like found money at the end of the day. So I'm not going to be really True. disappointed if I go out and, and have a bad one. I haven't had a bad marathon yet. So 
you know sometimes you have bad marathons <laughs> yeah. and that sucks but <laughs> it happens yeah it um, does yeah. yeah and you know you sort of have to be accepting of that as a possibility going into it because because of the amount of time and it doesn't matter who you are whether you're a professional whether you're a casual runner taking on a marathon mm -hmm. You do have to have an acceptance that it could not go your way when you finally get there because it's a it's a hefty commitment you're putting in. Like you know, like you're saying, sixteen twenty week blocks here uh, yeah. to get ready for just one race for one day. You know, that's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot to mentally accept, but you got to do it. Yeah, my my coach has always said having a having a bad marathon is like having a whole season's worth of bad races in one race. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's it's eight weeks of crappy race after crappy race. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it... but yeah, I mean I think it's it's true. And I think that one of the things that, you know, I've done to really kind of try and 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 take some of that pressure off myself is, you know, I know that this is just one data point and I know that there'll be a lot more afterwards and there've been a lot more before. And, and if this one doesn't go well, like it doesn't mean that what I'm doing isn't working or that I'm a bad runner or a bad right. person. It just means I had a bad day That's exactly. and that happens. Exactly. That's a big part of the sport. Everybody's going to have plenty mm -hmm. of bad days and you just got to mm -hmm. figure out how you can deal with them. Um, now do you have any, mm -hmm. any uh, plans coming out of this or are you still just sort of going with whatever since, you know, like you said, you've got that time already. This is free mm -hmm. money. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm definitely, uh, I'm definitely not going to run another marathon right afterwards. Um, Smart. <laughs> I, I'm actually, so I'm going to be heading down to Peru, uh, like three days after the race. So it's going to be kind of a whirlwind. Wow. Um, okay. And then I'm going to, I'm going to be down there, uh, leading programs with Strive for seven weeks during the summer. So that'll be really fun, and I get to get out of the crazy heat and humidity of dc for seven weeks good for you it is brutal uh, <laughs> in dc it is brutal <laughs> it is brutal it's yeah it's tough it's not it's it's nice to sit outside by the pool but it's not nice uh, to run yeah miles a week. because then whether you're running at 5 a.m or 8 p.m it's disgusting and yep. hot <laughs> it's still 90 degrees outside oh, right now <laughs> oh. yeah but yeah so I, that's that's kind of the plan for the summer is to like take it easy i'll be in peru and then um in the fall you know the trials in February, there isn't, there probably isn't a time to do, well, there definitely isn't time to do a full buildup uh, for a fall marathon before the trials um, with grandma's so late and then being in Peru. Um, so I, I, I certainly won't do a separate buildup for a fall marathon. Um, if I run a fall marathon, it, it, it won't be, uh, you know, quite a hundred percent focus. You know, the trials running, running a PB at the trials is definitely the, uh, the goal for kind of the next, next chunk of time as i see it so that'll and, be and it'll be here a, before a you know up. it it'll it's gonna come up yeah quick. i will uh, yeah it'll in a yeah. blink of the eye it's gonna be there well cool man uh and now before we uh before we wrap up uh, tell me a little bit about strive because uh you know you've mentioned them a few times you've obviously yeah. have made it a great benefit to you and for them uh through some of the running stuff you've done obviously with the half marathon uh on the treadmill uh, just tell me a little about Strive. What what is it? What's the mission? How, and really, how did you start with it? Yeah, so I got um, I got started up with Strive when I was in college, um, and I was hired uh, basically to lead their their programs during the summers. Um, so I was kind of like a, a camp counselor, basically. Um, and if I were to summarize what they do in a couple of sentences. Basically, high school and college kids um, from the U.S., uh, mostly from the U.S., but also from other places, um, 
they go to Peru and Kenya. Those are our, our two locations. Um, I'm in Peru. Um, so they go to Peru and Kenya and they do uh, community service work, which is mostly in education. And then they, uh, they also have time for athletic training. Um, so our focus is kind of on running and endurance training. So both of our places are, are up at altitude in the mountains, um, lots of dirt roads. So it's a really awesome place to train. Um, so it's kind of like running camp meets community service program. <laughs> and I think it's a, it's a really, really good balance because especially nowadays, like high schoolers want to be doing everything. So they want to yeah. do sports camp and they want to go travel and they want to do community service work. And so strive kind of like gives them something that they can do all those things in one. Um, and, and I think that's, that's really exciting. Um, so it's, it's been really fun for me to, to be able to be a part of that for the last few years. And, and like I said, now I'm, I'm both still leading programs from on the ground, which is really cool because I love working with young people and I get to work with like 30 high school and college kids every summer, which is super fun. Um, and you know, I also am I'm really passionate about the work that we do. You know, we've, we've done a lot of really awesome development work down there and, and I've formed a lot of really strong relationships with the people in the community that we work in. Um, so, so that's, it's definitely, that's, that's a huge motivator for me as well in terms of running is, is just, you know, doing, doing, working in the projects that we do and, and kind of raising awareness about that and doing fundraising projects as well. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. It seems like a, a very positive thing and it, it seems like, you know, you're putting a lot of positives around yourself as well. And that's, you know, it's, it's all been working pretty well for you in these few years out of college. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm trying to do is keep it all positive. <laughs> well, good. That's a good attitude and it seems like you've made it all pretty positive so far. So uh, keep it up, man. That's all we can say. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, well, Tyler, uh, I appreciate you uh, you doing this for me. Uh, real pleasure to have you on. And uh, and best of luck, Grandma's Marathon, man. Uh, we'll, I'll be watching for you. Awesome. Thanks a lot. All right. Really cool stuff. I really do thank Tyler. Uh, you know, I found him on Twitter, reached out to him on a whim, wanted to see if he wanted to hop on the show, and, and I'm thrilled that he did. So thank you, Tyler, for joining us. He'll be running the Grandma's Marathon next Saturday. Uh, you can find him on Twitter, at Tyler C. Andrews. So give Tyler a follow. See how he does. He's, he's now a part of this show. He's a part of the legacy of the mile mark. And then we were talking about Strive Trips. Check them out as well, strivetrips.org. Tyler doing some great work with them. So thank you again to Tyler, and best of luck at Grandma's Marathon and moving forward to the Olympic Trials just a reminder, like the show on Facebook, facebook.com slash themilemark. Tell your friends about it. Share this episode. And, hey, if you're new to the show, if this is the first time you're listening, go back. Listen to the first eight. I highly recommend episode four, Coach Bob Hamer, Ryder University, especially now with Emily Ritter running in the championship on Saturday for the NCAA national meet. And then you can follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore doll 13. Subscribe on iTunes. Review on iTunes. Do all those fun things. This is the Mile Mark Podcast, episode number nine. We'll be back again next week. Hey, it's summer. It's getting hot out. Set your alarm a little earlier. Go do some morning runs. That's what I'm doing. Some days it's not too bad. Some days it's pretty terrible. Either way, put your miles in. We'll talk next week.